Hi, I'm Neil McReynolds, the pastor of the City Church, and I just want to personally thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. We meet every Sunday at 9 and 10.30 a.m. and Tuesday nights at 6.30 p.m., and we'd love it if you came and joined us. Thank you so much for tuning in, and enjoy this week's podcast. So we've been going through a series called Created on Purpose for Purpose, and we've been looking at a couple verses in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. And it says there, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. And so that's what I'm going to be talking about. That's the last of the, what we call the five-fold ministry. But when we think of teaching, uh, it's easy for us to think about school. And maybe that's not what you wanted to think about tonight. Uh, Whether you've been out of school for a long time or you're in school right now, um, I think it's easy for us to remember that one subject we just struggled with to learn. Uh, or you might have even hated that. So what we're gonna do on the count of three is just say it out loud uh, to just get out that you know, pent-up aggression from years past. Um, say it out loud on the count of three, whether it was math or history, science, English, whatever it was, on the count of three. One, two, three. Everything. Well, I heard math really, really loud. Ironically, that's my favorite, but... Uh, <laughs> Well, I'm speaking on the gift of teaching, and it's ironic because uh, in elementary school, I struggled with a subject that summed up in two words, reading comprehension. Uh, And you think, wouldn't you have to understand or comprehend what you read in order to teach it? And uh, here I am today. And I think God does have a a sense of humor. (laughs) I love this about the gift of teaching because any gift from God is given, not earned. Uh, I didn't earn this gift, God just gave it so freely. And secondly, gifts from God can be developed. That you might feel like, oh, I'm just starting out, it's okay, there's always room to grow. And so let's move into the definition of the gift of teaching. Right here, it says, effectively communicating what the Bible says, what it means, and how we as followers of Jesus are to apply it to our lives. The teacher, the teacher is a mentor, discipler, communicator, and trainer. And so the gift of teaching is everything about effective communication, specifically the Bible, as we present it tonight. Another uh, verse I want to support with this is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. That's what you do when you, when you teach, you correctly handle the Bible. We're going to move into the characteristics. First one here, presents truth in a logical, systematic way. So what does that mean? That means anytime you're going to tell a story from the Bible, you're going to want to look at the context or the history or uh, the setting, uh, looking at all the major characters or even going so far as to look at the grammar and the syntax, uh, even going uh, into the original language of how, uh, of how that story was written. And you're not just trying to make, uh, just put in all your opinions and thoughts like, oh, I think this is what the Bible says. No, you're saying this is what the Bible says, just straight up like that. And have you ever um, had that friend that always was trying to correct everybody else saying, like, let's say you told a story and you're like, you know what? It was Thursday and we had lunch at this place and uh, this guy came by and he just caused a scene. And then your friend's like, no, 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 no. That's not how it happened. It was you that caused the scene. It was you that made the noise. And it's like, 
Raise your hand if you have that friend that is always correcting everybody else on a story. Like, just raise your hand. And if you didn't raise your hand, maybe you're the person correcting everybody else. (laughs) That's what it's like to present truth in a logical, systematic way. You want to tell the story correctly. Second one here, loves to validate truth by intensive research. What does that look like? That means you spend more time in the Word of God, but you'll also pull up stuff like Google, or you'll read books by theologians and scholars to figure out, is this really truth? Is this really what it's saying? And uh, something, something in today's time right now, there's, a, there's this uh, virus going around in China, and it's kind of spreading everywhere. And when you have this kind of gift, you're not going to freak out right away. What you're going to do is you're going to research. You're going you're to see, is this really bad? Is this really good? What's going on? Next one here, feels this gift is foundational to the operation of the other gifts. When you look at the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, and the pastor, all four of those, and all these other gifts that God uh, can give us, they have some element of teaching. So you're always communicating something to people. All right. Next one here. Earnestly desires to explain biblical principles to others. And so what great communicators and what great teachers do is they can draw biblical principles, biblical truth out of everyday life, whatever it is. And so I want to tell you about this. uh, It's an old movie. It was called Frozen. Um, And I I think it's funny because everybody has laughed at this, but the movie came out seven years ago. Yeah, it's pretty old. But there's a scene in there where, okay, if you've never seen it, I'm just going to spoil it all, okay? In Frozen... At, uh, right, right at the end, there's these two sisters, Anna and Elsa, and what happens is Anna sacrifices herself for Elsa. And I remember in that moment, I cried. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but what, what, what came so clear to my mind was Jesus sacrificing himself for us. And it's just one small truth out of the bigger picture, you know? And great teachers, they can always uh, draw those kinds of truths out of everyday life. Last one, gets excited about acquiring knowledge out of God's word. So you get this joy and excitement from reading, and you also get excited when other people start to open up the Bible. Let's move into the weaknesses. First one here emphasizes accuracy at the expense of application. So you care so much about what the Bible says, and uh, you want it to be presented so correctly, and you never actually apply it to your life or tell others how to apply it to their lives. And so you can talk all the talk, but you can't walk the walk. Next one is bores listeners with unnecessary details. This is that friend that does tell the story and they just keep rambling about everything that nobody cares about. Like, I didn't care about this car or that tree or just the the minute details of everything. Next one here is may appear to be more dependent on research of others than on the Holy Spirit. This is pretty dangerous because there's nothing wrong with research. It's just if you spend so much time uh, just going and and researching all the stuff and looking up all the info, uh, you can easily forego intimacy with God because we're building relationship with God, not just words on a page. Fourth one here, concentrates on pet doctrines. 
Some of you are wondering, like, what is this about? Is it about my dog? It's not. So <laughs> concentrates on pet doctrines. That means when you come to a church, and maybe you've been to several churches here in the Quad Cities or just through your life, um, people argue about uh, musical styles. Like, oh, they had the drums today. And I can't believe the pastor was playing the drums. And like, you know, <laughs> or you'll go to a church and they'll be like, oh, this is the version we can only read. The New King James, whatever it is, right? And you get so caught up on these pet doctrines, you go from church to church saying they did this right, they did that wrong. They did this right, they did that wrong. And all it really does when you concentrate on this stuff is divides the church. It divides from within the church and it also divides amongst churches. And the last one, and I saved this one for last um, because it, it hits the hardest, becomes proud of knowledge. The biggest weakness of the gift of teaching is pride. Um, and so there's a couple things that go with this gives impression that he or she is the only valid source of truth. I'm right, and you're wrong. Next one, criticizes teaching of others due to petty differences. I'm right, and you're all still wrong. (laughs) Discounts the wisdom of the uneducated. I'm right, and I don't want to listen to you because I already know you're going to be wrong. So, and I would be very careful with that last one because we're going to read a verse right now in Acts 4.13. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. Say that with me. Unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And so you look at Peter and John and and all these other disciples and they didn't have any formal schooling. But the amazing thing is they didn't remain unschooled. They didn't remain uneducated. Jesus was actually their teacher They learned Christ. They walked with him for three years. And so even us here who might feel unschooled, ordinary, that's okay because God has promised us his Holy Spirit to teach us and to guide us that we can even do the astonishing things that Jesus has called us to do. So the gift of teaching, you know, we've gone through characteristics. We've gone through weaknesses. But the gift of teaching, it might not be your strongest gift. It might not even be anywhere close to where God has gifted you, but it might be part of your gift mix. Some of these characteristics, you're like, well, I'm not really a teacher, but I love to tell a story. And, uh, but what does that mean? So there's a story in the Bible about a man, and his primary gift was evangelism. So he's out sharing the gospel, but he also has this gift of teaching mixed in where he does have to tell the story correctly to somebody and explain it and guide somebody into the truth like that. So that brings us into our main text for tonight. Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20. And so before we read this, uh, let's go ahead and pray one more time. Holy Spirit, you're the best teacher. And you filter out all these other voices and and things, God, that uh, try to get in the way. So every distraction uh, be gone right now in Jesus' name. And I pray that your word would come out so clearly that your spirit we speak so softly that we have to really incline our ear to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So you've probably seen these verses uh, because we say them every time at the end of the service. But it goes like this. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So the thing is, we always say it at the end of every service, but I'm going to unpack it a little bit here. At this time, Jesus was crucified. He died a physical death. He was in the grave for three days, and then he rises to life. 
and he's walking around in his resurrected body. And if you ever think about that, it should sound kind of weird to you. Um, it is, because he, he appears to the disciples, um, and you think he'd be like a ghost, but he's actually like in this physical form. He just has all the scars and everything. And he comes up to them, and these are not his last words, but they're some of his last words, and we commonly call this the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion. This is not something uh, that's optional if you are a believer in Christ, that uh, God is, uh, Jesus is saying, uh, this, is, this is what you're supposed to do. And so in verse 19, he's speaking to us who are already following the Lord to go and tell people the gospel so that they too can be followers of Jesus. That's the turning point. When, we, when he says, go and make disciples, you gotta tell people the gospel. The gospel is this, that we've messed up so bad. We've disobeyed God so much. We call that sin. The punishment for that is death. And really, people get so afraid of the word hell. But it's, the worst part is eternal separation from a God who loves us so much. And so this punishment, like we can never pay that off. We can never have forgiveness for that unless uh, there's death. And so what Jesus does, he comes down from heaven in, in the form of man, fully God, fully man, and he dies for us. He lives this life we could never live, completely pure, completely holy, completely spotless. And then he dies this death for us on the cross. He dies a physical death three days, yes, he resurrects, showing his victory over sin and death. But to put it even simpler, because maybe that was a a long-winded story for you, imagine everything you've ever done wrong on a list, a record, you know? Uh, Every mistake you made, every wrong thing you've said to somebody, every time you've hurt somebody, just a full list of all of that stuff. And then you look at Jesus' clean slate, completely perfect, holy, and spotless. When Jesus dies on the cross, he says, I'll take up your dirty slate and I'll give you my clean slate. It's called like a beautiful, great exchange. If we believe and we turn from our sin and follow him. That's the gospel. That's where we begin. After that, he says, baptize them, but it doesn't stop there. Verse 20 says, we teach them. The Greek word for teach, and don't, don't, get, uh, don't get so hung up on this, but the Greek word for teach is didaskalos, which means to instruct. It's where we get today's word didactic from, and that also means intended to teach. But my bigger question is, have we learned everything Jesus has commanded us? And I don't mean uh, like the 10 commandments. I I remember, a lot of you have never probably heard my life story, but from when I was in kindergarten up until I turned 18, I went to a Catholic catechism class once a day out of every week from kindergarten to 18, and I learned so much. I learned so much, but I never really knew God. I I fell in love with all the words on the page and all the schooling and all this stuff, but I never had any relationship with God. So I was this super religious guy, but my life was actually not changed, never transformed. And there's so much truth in scripture to point us to God that we have still yet to learn, and it's an ongoing teaching and learning for the rest of our lives. But who will teach us? And who is teaching us right now? It's not just me. See, the end of this verse says, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so though Jesus died and he rose again and he ascended into heaven, he promised us his Holy Spirit. 
And this is crucial because we need the Holy Spirit to empower us, to teach, and to lead us into the truth. Every spiritual gift is nothing without the Holy Spirit. Nothing. The Holy Spirit is our teacher as we read through the Bible. I'm gonna tell you a story about my mom. My mom, she grew up like a good Catholic girl too, and she always said the Bible was too complex. And you might say that right now too, the Bible's too complex. And she always used to say this, I'm too simple-minded for the Bible. I could never understand it. And I love this because the Bible actually says this, in Psalm 119, verse 130, it says, the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. And so you might be here tonight and you're like, oh, I'm, just, it's too, it, I'm too simple-minded for this, I can't get it. I'm telling you right now, the Bible is for you. That God will make it clear, even for you. We're gonna read one more verse to uh, kind of very similar to what we've been reading right now in the Great Commission. It says in 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So what does that mean? That means everything I've just said right now, <clears throat> you're all the presence of many witnesses. This is the church, not these four walls, no, the people. And everything I've said, uh, letting you all know that, but there's people here, if you look around, there's gonna be people here that do have the gift of teaching. And you're entrusting what I've said to those people to help teach you and everybody else. Because you can't always rely on the person up here because you only see them like once a week most of the time. And so that's why there's teachers here even as you sit down. But we're gonna go into uh, some warnings and encouragements for everybody. The first one here, I think it's already up. 2 Timothy 4, verse 2 to 4. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. So the first warning is this. Be careful that you are not just hearing what you want to hear. A lot of times we can come into church with selective hearing, and maybe you've been to church for, the, for a while, and you're hearing everything, but you also have selective listening. I'd say be very careful of that, because we live in a time of social media and, and everything that's like coming at us, and you can get so caught up in, in uh, YouTube pastors or uh, just people that just sound so good, or they might even be so handsome or pretty, like you're getting caught up in their looks. And the thing is, you're, you're trusting solely in them, uh, and they're making you feel really good. But I'm telling you, everything that gets set up here will not always make you feel good. It won't. That's just the truth of life. We always have the good and the bad. And I'm going to say this, the church is never built on the speaker, the church is built on Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone that holds up the church. So when you see Neil up here, you know, when people talk about City Church, they say, oh yeah, Neil's doing a great job. The church is not built on Neil. Amen. The church is built on every single one of us that Christ is using. So the church is built on Christ. We must be lovers of truth over any personality. Because at the end of the day, when our church grows, and let's say Neil and I'm not, I'm not prophesying or anything, okay? If Neil's like, I'm gonna go plant another church and then other people here, we're gonna go also plant churches. 
if we just relied on the person that was standing up here, we missed it. We need to rely on Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you right now, it's never the personality up here that saves you. In John 8, 31 to 32, it's not up there. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are my disciples. You really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's never like, and Pastor Neil set me free. No, it says the truth will set you free. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. John 14, 6. Here's the next, next uh, warning. It's my favorite one of tonight. Not many of you should become teachers. <laughs> Let's just close in prayer. <laughs> Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. It's true. When you have this kind of gift, and a lot of other gifts, you know, you will, your life will be held accountable to Christ when you see him again. But here's the thing. I get so excited about teaching. It's because when we start to teach, we see people get excited about the Bible. And I want you to think about this. Don't raise your hand. Uh, if, have you ever fallen in love? Nobody say anything. <laughs> but every time you open the Bible, it's like picking up a phone and learning God's voice. When you're first falling in love with somebody, you don't always know what their voice sounds like on the phone. Right? It's the first time you heard them when they're sick. It's like, oh, is that you? Am I talking to a man? Or, you know, like, the first time you're hearing them when they're tired, right? They're sleepy. The first time you're hearing them when they're annoyed or they're angry. It's like, is this you? Is this you? And every time you open the Bible, you may not know God's voice at all. But every time you're picking up the phone, and that's the exciting part. That's what I love to see every time I teach and seeing people's lives change that way because you're learning to fall in love more and more with God's voice. That's the beautiful part of it. And lastly, these are, these are some encouragements. It's not up there, but I'm going to tell you about my first Bible study. It was the end of high school, and uh, just coming into college, and nobody forced me to lead a Bible study. Nobody said, okay, we, we require you to do this, blah, blah, blah. No. Um, I just wanted to get to know God. I wanted to read the Bible. I wanted to learn what this whole thing was about. And so every Wednesday night, we had a Bible study, and we started in the book of John. And I had been to several Bible studies over the years. And as I'm teaching, I had no idea there was more than one guy named John. I was like, there's a guy who wrote the book of John. They call him the disciple whom Jesus loved. They also call him John the Beloved. And then there's another guy named John called John the Baptist. And those are not even the only two that exist. There's even more. But in that story, there's actually two, but I was confusing them as one person. And there was a guy in the back in the kitchen eating. Uh, yeah, not even pay attention. But he, he was just there for, uh, he was friends with the owner of the house. And he, uh, he actually corrected me on the spot. And I felt so dumb. I was like, man, like, I don't know the difference between these two guys. Nobody ever taught me. But it didn't stop me from learning. It didn't stop me from growing. It didn't stop me from teaching. And in those moments when you're corrected, we have a teachable spirit. That means like, I'll learn even from my mistakes. I don't have everything right. I can't figure out a story in the Bible right away. But you know what? We learn. We grow. And so the biggest encouragement here is teach what you know. Last week, 
we went through the gift of evangelism. And even if you didn't have that gift, the Bible says do the work of an evangelist. Same thing with this gift. Teach what you know. You may not know a lot. Maybe this is your first time in church and this is the only thing you've ever heard of the gift of teaching. But teach what you know. If you're a parent tonight, you're a teacher. Whether you realize it or not, and whether you have the gift of teaching or not, but what you say and what you do and how you live your life at home and outside of these four walls uh, has longer lasting impact than anything that could ever happen at a youth group or a, a kid's Sunday school or anything like that. If you're a parent and maybe you don't know a lot about the Bible, just teach what you know. And if you're a student, if you're in the workplace, wherever you're at, you have the opportunity to teach. Even in those places. And so what we did on Sunday is I had a bunch of people stand up if they felt like they had the gift. Uh, we're not going to do that right now. If you, we've gone through some of the characteristics and weaknesses, but if you think like, hey, this is really a, a strong gift for me, I just want you to just raise your hand. If you feel like, oh, this, is, this might be one of my stronger gifts, the gift of teaching. So if you could just raise your hand right now. Just a couple people I see. Yeah. So we're going to pray for those people right now. Holy God, you've entrusted reliable people with this gift, and it's not because um, they did anything. God, you're the one that qualifies them to do the work. And so God, uh, form within them uh, just a solid foundation of your word to teach and also to just be so open uh, to hearing your voice and every uh, every truth that comes from your heart. Protect them. Protect the gift that you've given. In Jesus' name, amen. The next thing is, uh, maybe you're here and you really struggle to learn the Bible and you're really struggling to understand and you want to learn more and you're thinking, I need somebody, I need somebody to teach me. I just don't know. And, and you just want to learn more. You're actually hungry to see what this whole thing is about. Um, I would encourage you to stand for this one. That if you're feeling that way, like, I, I want to learn more. I want to be discipled. I want to I actually grow in Christ. Because I'm telling you right now, when we move to a, another building and our church grows, uh, the numbers are not the biggest concern for God. The biggest concern for God is our hearts. And if we're not built on a solid foundation, which is Christ's rock, if we're not planted deeply, if we're not letting our roots just grow out, then we'll be tossed around by the wind and the waves. We'll be tossed around by the struggles of life, the problems of life, every hard thing that could ever come our way. When we grow, we don't want to be people that just fall between the cracks, slip out the back door. We want to be rooted in Christ. So if you feel like, I want to learn more, and, and I just... I might struggle, but I just want to grow. I would encourage you to stand right now. When we learn Christ and we follow God and we go into the word of God, this is the long obedience in the same direction that Neil talked about. This is it. There is so much beauty and joy, but it's not easy. The road is never easy. God did not promise us easy. He said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. 
And that is the God who is with us. That is the Holy Spirit who is teaching us. That is the Holy Spirit that desires so earnestly for us to come into such intimate relationship with him, just as a husband and a wife, that we are just so close and so closely knit to God. And so I'm gonna pray for you right now for God to unfold his word that it would be such an alighted to us, God, that we would, be ha- we would be able to have this understanding from you, God. And so pray with me. Holy Spirit, God, we ask, God, for your blessing. We ask for your outpouring. We ask for more of you, God. This, this word, God, as we first pick up the phone to hear your voice, we may not know it, God. Sometimes there's static. Sometimes the call drops. But God, help us to pick up the phone over and over again to start to learn to fall in love with your voice, to see the deep meaning of your truth, that it would radically transform our lives, completely renew our minds, God. That's the things we desire. Holy Spirit, protect, God, your people, your sons, your daughters, God, as they learn, God, that this is not about a performance. This is not about how much I've read or how much I understand, but God, this is how much I just want to know you just want to know you, just want to meet with you, just want to spend time with you. That's what it is when we, want, when we read the Bible, God. And so Holy Spirit, come. Come do what only you can do. Fill us with your spirit. And God, speak so clearly to your kids. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Um, so we'll have people, uh, our prayer team is in the back. Uh, if you need prayer, if you, if you feel like you really, you're like, I really need a teacher. I really need somebody to come alongside me. I preached this message twice on Sunday and we have a lot of people on Sunday morning and one person signed up. And if this whole thing, these three messages that I preached were that for that one person, it was worth it all. For somebody to say, I need help. You know, maybe you've been there like, I don't understand this stuff. God, God is faithful. He'll meet you where you're at, whether you know something or nothing. He'll meet you where you're at. And so thanks for coming out tonight. Uh, We'll see you next week. Yeah, thanks. Thanks again for taking time to listen. For more information or to contact us, please visit our website at cityqc.com.